Morning, church. Supernatural. Hey, so good to be with you this morning. You guys doing well? It's good to see your faces and be with you. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Zach, and I have the joy of being campus pastor here at this church. And uh, I was just kind of like, some, sometimes I, I realize I can't stay put during worship, and I, I kind of like walk and sense the room and worship, and I just felt like the room was marked by, by humility today. Um, I don't know if it was like the music was just sort of stripped down a little bit, or it was just the posture of, of Wes leading us this morning, but I just felt like there was just a humility. It was like whatever would be antithetical to like pompous or self-righteous. And so I just thank you for coming into the house of the Lord with that heart. And I just believe that God loves to pour out favor on the humble. And he resists the proud. So we don't want God to resist us. We want to be humble and get all the favor. <laughs> Today we continue in our teaching series called Disciple. And we have uh, this subtitle. And it's this. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And so I love this. I love the simplicity and how profound, actually, this subtitle is. And it's not just our subtitle. It's it's really the vision for our church moving forward into the future. God, what does the future church look like for us as your family here at One Chapel? to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. And I love this cascading and they're dovetailed, they're overlapping. But the primary thing is we start by being with Jesus. Lord, I just come before you and I fix my attention on you and I follow you and I stay yoked with you and we be with him. And how many of you guys know that what we behold, uh, we become, yes. right? And what we feed grows. And so we feed this reality of being with Jesus, of relationship, and our relationship then grows. And when this happens, like, like I said, we, when we behold, what we behold, we become. So we become like Jesus. And this happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. This is spirit-created Christ character. Let's put it that way. We become like Jesus, who we actually really are. That's another teaching right there but we are becoming who God intended for, the, for humanity to be, to be his image bearers and to be his emissaries of light and love to the cosmos. And then when we do this, when we become who we're really called to be in Christ, we do what Jesus did. These are the practices of Jesus, and we're gonna kind of talk about that a little bit more. I wanna start or continue here with a quote that has been haunting me all week, okay? And it's from Neil Young. No, it's not from Neil Young. I wouldn't do that. I would not do that to you. <laughs> oh, man, I kid. No, it's from uh, author Neil Cole. And he says this. Ultimately, each church will be evaluated by only one thing. It's disciples. Your church is only as good as her disciples. Does not mean, it, does, it, it does not matter how good your praise, preaching, programs, or property are if your disciples are passive, needy, consumeristic, and not moving in the direction of radical obedience. Your church is not good. I'm just here to encourage you guys today. That's just a very encouraging pastor. <laughs> no, but it's good to talk about these things and to be real 
Because we want to re- live the real thing, right? We just don't, we want to just play house. We want to live it and to be incarnate in this. We want to see the word become flesh in and among us. So sometimes we have to look these things in the eye. Turn your Bibles or open up your phones to Matthew or use the Sky Bible as we refer to it as at times. Matthew 28, verse 18 and try to, try to listen to this. If you grew up in the church, you know this verse very well, but just um, hear it maybe with fresh eyes or ears. Then Jesus said to them, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so Jesus gave the church one central task, to have really good church services, (laughs) to have really anointed praise and worship where we encounter Jesus. Maybe really awesome programs where there's discipleship happening in our kids and, and teen ministries. Maybe a really awesome and, and beautiful property. No, it's none of those things. And, all, and just to be clear, those things are, are good. And we want those things. But they are, they're underneath the primary importance of this task, the central task. And that's to make disciples. But how many of you guys know, how many of you guys know that we cannot see this happen and live this out and embody it without the help and power and inner work of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the, world's, the, the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so this is kind of the, this is the landscape I'd love for us to traverse a little bit today. I want to explore this idea of disciple-making. What does it look like to holistically transform into the image of God and be empowered to do so by God himself in us, the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and we'll jump in here. So Heavenly Father, we, we, do, we do come humble. We thank you, Lord. We are stunned by the beauty of Jesus somehow. God, you have taken our place, taken all of our, our sin and shame and isolation and our betrayal, and you put it on your, your body and you dealt with it on the cross. And so now we get to live in victory. The war has been won, but we have to live it out now. And so we thank you for your Holy Spirit. It comes to counsel, to help, to empower us, to be the people that you've called us to be and that our souls are longing to be as well. And so would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear today? Would, would a sense of, of unity take place in this, in this room, not only among us and with me, but with you and your Trinity and with heaven? And let us leave changed. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, I was 22 years old. That was just like a couple years ago. Um, and uh, it was a Thursday night. I was working at my job, and my job was actually to be a door guy at a bar venue in Gainesville, Florida. And so it was like this hip, 
indie spot. And Thursday, and so as a door guy, I would check IDs and mark if someone was underage and let them in if they weren't and interact and host and all this stuff and kind of be security. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, why did you put me in charge of security? Um, <laughs> but uh, so it was Thursday and the theme of the night was called Thirsty Thursday. And it was like indie music. And so all these like hipsters from the University of Florida would come and pack this place out and dance to a bunch of music. And I remember like when I first got the job, it was really fun. I mean, I was 22. And there was a sort of like a weird kind of sense of like um, qualification or like uh, clout that I got because I was working at this cool bar, right? And so I'd go to parties and it was just like, oh, you're, you're that guy. And so, but it was kind of cool for like a second. And then I realized, man, I, I'm working until three in the morning and I'm around this atmosphere where everyone is just pursuing these things that aren't really life-giving. And I started to find myself in like this spiral of confusion and depression. And it was this Thursday night and I remember just finishing up and cleaning up and just being like, I wanna quit, I'm going to quit, and I think I'm depressed. I remember going to uh, the manager of the bar and being like, yeah, this is gonna be probably my last night. I mean, if, if you want me to, I'll work two weeks, but I, I just can't do this anymore. And, uh, and he was like, no, it's okay, you could just go. And I remember just like not even having a job. <laughs> so foolish. But I, it was just like something was decaying inside of me. And when I was 22, it was like everything that you would think you would want, right? I was going to school for philosophy, psychology. I had all of the things that maybe a 22-year-old in the world wanted. Um, but I was severely impoverished in my soul. And I like kind of wandered for a while. And I, and I you know, I dropped out of college actually, and I became a manager at a coffee shop and then helped open up a fine dining restaurant and did front of house management. And all the time, just kind of like floundering and just working through depression. And I remember this one time that someone invited me to go to a worship event and it was called a Holy Spirit ministry night. And I was like, I'm, I didn't grow up in that tradition where like Holy Spirit was really, it was like, I grew up in the tradition, it was like Father, Son, and Bible, Holy Bible. I didn't really grow up with the Holy Spirit. Things have obviously changed. I hope obviously changed now in our ministry. Love the Lord, Holy Spirit. But um, so come to this, this Holy Spirit ministry night, come check this out. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really powerful. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to check this out. I remember going and it was just uh, two, two people playing, playing music. It was like a guy on a guitar and this girl who was singing, that's it. But there was something on the worship and that night, there was something in the air. Obviously, these are like ethereal things to just really talk about. Like it was the presence of God was in the room. And I remember the, the minister was like, I'm calling out for anyone who's dealing with what? With depression. I want you to come up here and we're gonna lay hands on you. We're gonna put our hands on your shoulders and we're gonna pray for you for deliverance. And I remember thinking to myself, no, I'm not going up there. There's no way I'm going. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna go up there. <laughs> and it was, you know, sometimes if you look through the lens of just like the humanistic mindset, it's like walking up seems trite or seems simple or something like that. But in the spiritual realm, when, there's, when you're on the brink of breakthrough and you step forward with your body, it's an act of faith that accesses breakthrough. And so that's why we engage in some of these things here. It's not just to like have like, so you get my point. So I get up there and I remember them praying over me and just feeling somehow that I was being delivered from depression. 
And it was just being broken off me. It was like this straitjacket or something, this thing that was around my heart and around my lungs. And it's just like all this tightening was just broken off. <laughs> and I remember there was just, it was just a guitar and this girl singing and I was dancing and there's no drums, but I was dancing. I was filled with joy. It was just like freedom, right? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so there is something to be said about stepping out in faith and, and worship and like allowing, kind of surrendering our, our mindset and our intellect to God and giving God our, like opening up our hearts and giving him our emotions as well. There's something to be said about that. So I do believe that I was, I was delivered. You know, the, the, the lock was opened up, the chains were broken. But there is still this, and maybe you've seen this in your own life, there's still like the foundation or maybe like the, the, the residue or place for those chains to come back and emerge in your life again. And that, that happened again, but at the same time, I kind of knew that. And I knew that I needed, to, if I wanted to maintain this freedom, that I needed to do three things. And I didn't know that all at the time, but it was basically just the ways of Jesus. But I needed to be present with God I need to be present with myself and how I'm really being in touch with myself and present with others. I need to be in touch with my story and not distracted by society, by the world. I need to be in committed relationships, committed relationship with God, myself and others. And I needed to grow in, in the practices of, of the ways of, of following Jesus, the ways of Jesus. And let me just tell you, I'm still in process. <laughs> I am still in process. I am still learning how to grow in these, in these areas. And so I don't come as a place of like self-actualization. No, I need grace probably more than all of you guys. Um, you know, the side note, like, yeah, I'm not going to go there. I was going to talk about Puritans and grace, but we're not going to do that right now. Um, grace is good and we need it. And so living out this life as a disciple and living on the other side of breakthrough or maybe approaching breakthrough, you're pressing in for breakthrough, this life of a disciple is, is a mental stronghold that we need to overcome. It is a mental process, this breakthrough. And it is an emotional experience. You know, I think we just, for some reason, especially guys, it's like emotions, we just keep that dormant. We don't really know how to like look at that stuff. No, we need to engage these things and it's really good to have these emotional experience, experiences. But it's not everything. It is not everything. And I think there's some parts of the church that it's like, it's all mental or it's all a spiritual encounter, right? It is, it is those things, but it's even more than those things. Truly, it's a life surrendered. It's a life surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus in community. <laughs> and, and we're following the ways of Jesus together by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this surrender just as a note, is not something that we white knuckle. Like, I'm just going to surrender more. If I just, if I'm strong enough, if I work hard enough, if I muscle through this, I'll be surrendered. This is not something we do on our own. This is something that we, we do with the help of the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is, we talked about this a little bit last week, that this process of yielding and surrender and relationship with God and this process of transformation is a cyclical process. You guys remember that from last week? 
This is a process that happens moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, and even generation by generation. And I, I don't know about you, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it's about you, but I want to leave my children, I want to impart a life more transformed for them. Amen. I wanna see a legacy of light and of grace and of Christ-likeness for them and, and let that continue from generation to generation. I think it's so easy for me, for me and for us just to be like, here, it's just this. Like, let me just survive this. What if we expand and updraft our perspective? And it's not only for, from moment to moment, but generation to generation. Let's see stewardship come alive in that way. And all of this stuff is, is like, it is that big and macro or generational, but it's also, it's also momentary. And it's also based on tiny, sometimes it's just tiny little decisions in the direction of obedience to Christ. And this, is how, this happens every day, and we talked about this a little bit last week. Let me remind you of that quote that I read from John Mark Comer in his book, Live No Lies. He says this, we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. In the beginning, we have a choice, but eventually we have a character. And as a reminder, this is either in one direction or the other. We're making a decision into deformation or we make a decision into spiritual formation, right? This is what the Holy Spirit um, desires and endeavors to do in and through us together. It is decisions. So, I think so often we can just, uh, I don't know, rele relegate our, our faith to just like this, this thing that we do over here, maybe add it on to, to our work or to our life or to our family, but it actually should be centralized and it needs to be something that we, we look right in the eye and engage purposely. You know, if we do this, this will shape us into the image that God has for us. If we make these decisions and we give ourselves to the Holy Spirit and we don't allow it to just be some kind of organic process of my spirituality, but we make intentional decisions, we are molded and shaped and fashioned by the Holy Spirit into the image and character of Jesus. And so I wanna remind us that this is a holistic kind of picture of transformation. It's not just emotions, not just the cerebral. It is those things, but it's also practices in community and all of this led and formed by the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of this transformation, this language of transformation or discipleship um, throughout church history has been called spiritual formation. And spiritual formation is a beautiful, broad, like incredible reality about Christianity, within Christianity, to help us transform and conform to the image of Christ. But, it, but spiritual formation is just that. It's being formed by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit is our what? Our helper. And the Holy Spirit, he is, he is the one who speaks, who coaches, who coaxes, who leads us into the ways of Jesus. In John 14, 26, in the ESV, Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so the ESV uses this word helper, and I love that word. Um, it's, we can do a whole study on that, on helper and what it really means. Um, but other translations are also very helpful. Uh, we have the comforter, 
Holy Spirit is your comforter. <laughs> Holy Spirit is your counselor. And he is your advocate. And as I'm sharing this, I'm like, I'm even now I'm like processing um, just this reality of the Holy Spirit. You know, we live in a very visible, uh, visible world, right? I mean, basically our whole reality is just through envisioning things and seeing our phone and living in the, the natural. But one of the greatest things that we can ever experience is God who's invisible in us. And so I don't know about you, but like, I just, I was even praying this morning. I was just like, Lord, I'm, I'm sharing about this. I'm gonna be sharing about this with my people and my friends. And I just, I just don't even know if I'm living the way I should in terms of recognizing your Holy Spirit. And I, and I say that on behalf of, like as your pastor, and, and just to be real with you guys, but I also think like if, if I am not being attentive to God, the Holy Spirit inside me, like maybe I'm not alone is what I'm gently trying to say. <laughs> where, where are you in your recognition of the Holy Spirit? Are we aware that he lives right inside you? He is so close to you and he's so close to your situations. He cares more deeply about those hard things than, than you do. And he's our advocate. He wants to give us, give you wisdom. He wants to empower us. And so I'm just gonna lead, I'm gonna lead myself and anyone who wants to join just a prayer right now of repentance for just discarding the Holy Spirit. He's so humble, so he doesn't push his way in. Um, he's a gentleman, but I feel like he is a burning fire <laughs> at the same time. And so I just welcome you, join in if, you can res if that resonates with you, where we wanna give God more attention, the Holy Spirit more attention and leadership. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are and that you sent Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit who is just really more of you in the way that you have been revealed in the gospels. And so in all of the ways that I've just neglected you, God, and all of the ways, Holy Spirit, that I've relied on myself and my own strategy and my own willpower, I just repent. <laughs> and on behalf of my friends here in our church, we repent. We want to elevate your lordship. And we thank you that when we do, Jesus is exalted. And so would you have your way today? And we repent, we just come back. And we thank you that you're so gracious and you're just like putting your arm around us even right now. It's okay, let's move forward. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So Holy Spirit is our advocate. He is our counselor and he is our helper. So how do we become more aware of his nearness? You guys know he's near, right? But how do we become aware of it? How do we grow in our revelation of Holy Spirit with us? How do we get in touch with the power and the love and the life of discipleship that God is calling us into? Maybe let's think about it. Or maybe another question, a line of questioning is, what are some of the hindrances to being more in touch with his voice or his power or his life for us? I've been um, wrestling with this question, and I think there's many ways we can approach answering them. And they're probably uh, particular to your story and to your personality or to your uh, shadow side. <laughs> but some of the hindrances 
um, I think, lie in these three things. And I, and I made this diagram. Um, hopefully you can see that. And I think that they're, they're kind of made up of these three quadrants, if you will, or there's only three, so it's not a quadrant, but these three sections. And the first one is, is distracted. Like, I don't think it's like something overly nefarious or whatever. It's like, it's just, we're, we're just distracted into oblivion, right? We're just so distracted. We're addicted to being distracted. And like, it's, it gives us some kind of like hit of chemical. We just get that just contact switch, right? Just that next thing, whether it's with work or with media or whatever the case may be. And then as a result of that, we lived really hurried. We're just, just so distracted. And so we're living a really hurried life. And in that, sometimes as coping mechanisms for this, this hurry and this anxiety, we become numb or complacent, bored. It's like you just get overly sensitized, if you will. And we live in like this anxiety. And so how are we going to pay attention to God and his transforming work when we're just like, you know, we're just riddled with distraction. The other um, section is consumeristic. We have been discipled by America and by the West to live our life through the paradigm of consumerism. And I see it in myself. I'm not pointing my finger at you guys. I see it myself. I'm just like, I just need to do this. And like, I'm just this, like I'm a consumer and I have the rights to just change things, right? Because it's free market. Because that's how church works. No. So this consumeristic mentality is we are self-centered. We become the center of our universe. And the way we, we interact with God and with Holy Spirit inside of us, even ourselves and definitely other people, and, I, and the way we interact with, with the church is transactional. I'm going to do this, but you, I mean, I'm coming, but you got to do this. And I, I did this, so you got to do that. And, you know, it's like this transactional thing. And we, if things are transactional and consumeristic, we're not going to be committed. <laughs> now, it's based on your preferences. So if it stops being your preferences, then you're not going to be committed anymore. Right? So as a result, we don't live in community. People who have consumeristic mentalities, don't, they have a hard time belonging in a community. And there's entitlement. Anyone ever hear of Tinder? It's an app. It's a terrible app. But it's just like you swipe and it's like, oh, this person I might be able to love. No, I don't like how they look. I'm just going to keep switching. I might be able to love them. No, I'm just, oh, them, yeah. And maybe, the, maybe that the reason why you're picking them are really wholesome reasons. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. We're getting real. Sorry, here we go. But I think that that can be imported in other parts of our, of our life. We can, even tr- we can even treat like relationships and spirituality and church like that. Now, nah, next one. Yeah, you didn't do what you didn't want. You know, so we end up treating reality and our friends and our community like Tinder. It's crazy. And so as a result, we, we, we isolate ourselves. Isolation and being alone is, is an epidemic. And then the last uh, section here is control. You know, we live in a very contested space. And it's like, who can we even trust, right? Politics society, the media, like there's just so much evil all the time. And so I just say that if you have this tendency to control, like it's kind of normal. And I get, I think it's a natural default to the society that we live in. Because if I, if I can't trust because you're not telling me the truth or because you're going to threaten me or I can't even like what, you know, like sociologically, you get what I'm saying here? It's like, I want to control. If I can't trust, I'm going to take control. 
And then we end up living as controllers. We, we, and that, and by the way, on a spiritual level, when we become the controller and we, when we are in charge of our own life, we disconnect ourselves to the one who's ultimately in control. And so we get disconnected and unplugged from the power source. And also this control is, is a little bit of an act of like pride because it's like, I'm not gonna choose anyone else's way or the authority of whatever, whatever the case may be, a leader, a spiritual leader, or, or a mentor, or a teacher, or God. And then we, we take on this defiant, disobedient posture, and we don't even know what's happening. But we are become a church that is relatively disobedient. And I put myself right in there. I want to repent of that. And how many of you guys know when you're trying to be in control, it's pretty exhausting? <laughs> It's exhausting because you're not actually meant to be ultimately in control. And so when we take on this, this weight, like God weight, it, it exhausts us and then it also stunts growth. And so all of this, I think, makes us victims of our society and victims of ourself. And we live powerless lives. However, there is an alternate paradigm here, our diagram, and I want to show you that. The next graph, you'll get it up in a second. Um, the next one, instead of being distracted, is being present. Being present. There we go. And so, man, the world wants to just like push and prod us into speed and distraction and hurry and anxiety. But God is calling us to just be present, to be still and to give attention with more singularity and focus. And when that happens, we start to get in touch with our body and we get in touch with our story. We get in touch with others. We get in touch with God and we live a more purposeful life instead of just being like pushed around by distraction. There is, a, there is a, an efficiency uh, for spirituality and for growth and transformation and purpose so we can expand the kingdom of God. And then when we're present, instead of just like trying to play catch up all the time, we can be more rested. And I don't know about you, but like we need rest. <laughs> and so we become present. And when we become present, we can become a non-anxious presence to those around us. And I'm convinced that the leaders of tomorrow and even of today are those who carry a non-anxious presence. It's not just whoever can like, scream the loudest, who has the most uh, clout or influence. It's, it's actually who's leading us towards salvation are the people who carry the peace of Jesus, a non-anxious presence. They are the leaders. Who can be present are leaders. The next section is in, in, in contrast to consumerism is committed relationship. And it's not just like relationship with others, it's relationship with God and it's relationship with ourselves. And I feel like a, a lot of our problems actually are with like some deficiencies in our own relationship with ourselves, right? We just like, we cross boundaries in ourselves all the time, right? There is just things that are not harmonious within our own integrity and our own thoughts. We are vacillating. And so being present with, or being committed in, in relationship with ourself and with God and with others. And so when this happened, community starts to bloom Friendships deepen, 
The lordship of Jesus happens because we're living not in a consumeristic, like give me my preferences, but I'm committed to you, Jesus. I'm committed to your expression of yourself, which is the body of Christ. And then we grow in the knowledge of him. That happens in community as well. And this is fruitful theology. We just grow in our knowledge of God, of God and a deeper knowing, it's relational. And when this happens, we carry peace. And we are, and it's in this place also, this committed relationship, um, where we can be fully known and fully loved. This is an interesting topic. I don't know if, you, if that just like clicks for you. It's like, oh, fully known, fully loved, or if that's just like a nice sounding thing. But I remember when I was deciding to become a Christian, um, I was 16 years old, and I was trying to make an intentional decision to be a disciple. And one of the processes that my mentor had me go through suggested was to write down, check this out, to write down everything that I ever did that I felt like was bad. <laughs> and I was only 16, but there was still a long list. And he was like, if you want, I'm not gonna force you, but if you want, I'm gonna read it or you can read it to me. And so I remember just being, like, I was 16, I was like, I'm, I'm all in in every way. So yes, I'll do that and you can read it. And I remember writing it and then, he reading it, and it took so long to write. <laughs> and he read it, and I remember like, kind of like seeing him later after, after he read it and just being like, oh, are you gonna like judge me? And like, should I have shame for this? And I remember him just like looking at me and be like, I've never loved you more. <laughs> and I almost wanted to like add some stuff to the list just so that I can feel that again. It's like, <laughs> I was fully known and fully loved. That, that is rare nowadays, right? We didn't, we're not gonna be transparent and like vulnerable about our life, but we should. And that's actually where we can experience true full love is when we're fully known. And so this happens in committed relationships. I just encourage you to find that. Whether it's an old friend from college or someone in our community or anyone, it's just like, Let's try to be more vulnerable. Can we try to do this? And it's not like, oh, you're vulnerable, I'll just help you. It's like, no, I'll be vulnerable and mirror that. And we'll grow in vulnerability together. And the, the last um, section here is practices. And so this is like, um, this is a moniker for just the ways of Jesus. It's any of the activity, how we ex actively express our faith. And it's, it's imitating the ways of Jesus. And so this is living out our faith and actually living out what we believe. And it's not just like this, this uh, worldview, but it's something that we implement, as I, I think, as I mentioned, the word becoming flesh. And so this is a fruitful way to expand the kingdom of God. It's actively living this out through practices. And so some examples that, you know, some of the, the most basic and element, but elemental, or, and, and my favorite, are scripture reading and prayer and then gathering as the ecclesia and worship. Those are some of the basic ones, but there's other ones like fasting and generosity, etc. But when we do these practices, I guarantee your faith will be lifted. The more you do it and you see Holy Spirit working through you, you will just start to be, you will experience a joy and a confidence and your faith will build and your trust will build and you will grow. And when you grow, it's joyful. And so joy will happen. And so all, if all these things happen, we, we trade this victim mentality for victors and we become victors through Jesus and his Holy Spirit together. 
and then we live empowered lives. I want to share this, this quote from John Tyson, um, and I've referred to this quote in the past. So if this is review for you, I just don't apologize because it is that good. It is so good. Listen to this. The inner work of the Spirit, giving secret rest, peace, and joy, regardless of outer circumstances, is one of the deepest graces a Christian enjoys in a broken and anxious world.